Hey guys, before we get started on today's show, if you are not in the DNVR Country Club on WGT Golf, the incredibly popular iPhone game that we're all playing, and we just had our first tournament on this past weekend, yours truly, I think took home the championship, although we might not have the terminal winner. There was a tie. There was a three-way tie for first place, but you guys got to check it out if you're not on WGT dnvrgolf.com that's where you can download wgt world golf tour that's where you can download the game from when you download the game go to country club search for the dnvr country club that's how you can be entered into all our tournaments which we'll be running on the weekends and you can try to beat all of your favorite dnvr personalities at wgt golf it's a really fun game check it out This sculpture, the Bronco Buster, was donated by a private citizen who wanted visitors to always be reminded of Denver's Western traditions. In the background is the gold-domed State Capitol building. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DNBA live show presented by Illegal Pete's. It's getting worse and worse. Do it again. It's getting worse every single time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Adam Mades. I am joined, of course, as always, by Eric Delinko. Yeah, look how red I look. Am you I, look, really I look red. angry? What's going on with me, do you think? You do. And boat looks a little blue, so I got a little like devil and angel thing yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. And Harrison's here. Harrison, which what's one, happening? Which one of us is uh, an that, angel? Uh, that, that Bronco statue is why Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler think we live in the... Uh, <laughs> you can either live in a cabin or uh, How funny was that or an clip? apartment. We got to talk about that when we bring our guest on. That's like a good conversation starter, actually. So I want to talk about it. I didn't plan on it. And then, of course, Brendan Vogt. What's cracking, fellas? Hold on. Sorry, Adam. I'm sending tweets live (laughs) while we do this. So give me a second. Tweet it. The most important thing, as always. Guys, today our guest is one of my favorite people on earth to talk to. One of the, I called him the most fascinating or the most interesting man in the world, uh, international man of intrigue. Oh. And of course, yeah, it's a strong think. sell. Yeah. This is a really strong sell, but it's actually all true in this case. Doctor Travis Heath, doctor, uh, thanks for coming on. I can't, I can't live up to that. So thanks a lot, Adam. It's all downhill from there now. I like, but, I like that you didn't put doctor in your own title, but Adam sees fit to refer to you as doctor every time. <laughs> true. I would, I would make everybody call me doctor. <laughs> me too. Like, doctor. why isn't it in, the, in your name? He, Travis got to pick his own name. He just put Travis Heath. With the uh, F. I'm just, I'm just a dude, man. Just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> My doctor, it, would, it wouldn't even have to be a real. It could just be an honorary doctorate or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still be like, excuse me, it's actually doctor. Um, oh, Travis, it's good to see you, man. How are you? Uh, my first question, of course, is that how are how are you and your family, you know, sort of surviving this uh, the the times that we are in. We're doing as well as we can, man. I mean, I feel pretty fortunate. Um, it's not my preference to teach all my classes online at, at the university, but I am. And so, hey, in some ways, I'm fortunate to be able to do that. And I'm, my practice is still still going and all that. Now, I'll tell you, doing emergency remote learning with an eight-year-old and a three-year-old is not ideal. But um, right. if that's the worst complaint I have, then we're doing all right, man. Are you parenting in shifts? Because there are times when me and my wife both will have a conference call and it's like, all right, the kids, let's just hope. Let's just cross our fingers. Yeah, we did. We've done that multiple times. We did it earlier today. Yeah, just basically um, 
you know, thank God for screens. Like, I don't know what our parents would have done. You just throw them on iPads now and they're yeah. fine. But, um, you know, we would have killed each other in the living room or something uh, 30 minutes later. So screens are a lifesaver, baby. My kids are at an age where they're particularly destructive because they're smart enough to get into things that are very expensive. So. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is that they know? They just know that it's expensive now. They're, they have the wherewithal to know that it would it'll hurt daddy if, he, if they break it. <laughs> the opposite. They have no idea how expensive it is. So they'll be like, look what I took apart, daddy. Like, oh, my computer. Sweet. Yeah, sick. <laughs> sick. Sick move. Um, yeah. So it, so it's wild. But um Travis, we're going to get into it. We have some really cool topics today. Um, if you want to join the chat, you're going to want to hop into the DNVR lounge. Later on, we're going to have people on. If you have questions for myself or anybody on this panel, um, you can hop on and, and, and join the chat with us. Later on, we're going to play the steps. But we're going to continue our conversation about the last dance and really about some of the topics that have been most interesting about it. So first of all, I asked you this before, so I know you've, you've been watching this. Were you excited? Are you a Michael Jordan guy? That's an interesting question. Um, I mean, look, I'm 40 years old. When you grow up in the era I grew, grew up in, like everyone's a Michael Jordan guy to an extent. Like I'm a, man, I'm a big Nuggets guy. I've always been a big Nuggets guy. And exactly. so, um, you know, while it was happening, no, no, I didn't like Jordan. I always rooted for Jordan to lose. Um, okay. You know, but, but he's like privately adored like his greatness you know what i mean yeah. like so i didn't want to put that out for public consumption when i was growing up but you know i'd be in the backyard or the park like everyone else working working on the fadeaway right doing the shot over craig elo right uh <laughs> moving right to left and shooting the jumper and then you know doing the fist pump so yes he was a huge how could he not be but i didn't want to advertise that a part of me didn't like him Okay. So you were the guy that wanted to root against him. Cause I think that is an interesting guy for Michael. It just seemed like there were so few of those. Yeah, I was well, it's not, it's not so much that I wanted to root against him. It's just, listen, I just wish he was on the nuggets. Like I wish, <laughs> I wish, you know, I was jealous more so than just like wanting to root against him, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't I picture Michael Jordan on the Nuggets. I can't but picture like the, LeBron. I can't picture any of that type of player on the Nuggets. Like for Nuggets fans, like the best Michael Jordan memory is when we his undefeated Bulls rolled into McNichols we, and the Nuggets beat them. Like that was like, yeah. Yeah, that, I, I was wondering, like, are they going to include that in the doc? And then I was like, no. <laughs> no. Must be, it must be in the deleted It's scenes. like a five-second snippet in the doc. <laughs> they might. What if there was, like, a great story to that loss and that's never been told? And we're like, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> Literally nobody would care about that except the five people on those calls. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That's probably It'd true. It would be awesome, though. Yeah. Uh, who were your guys, like, in that era? Outside of Nuggets, was there anybody you were, like, were you pulling for Chuck? Were you like pulling for some of these guys to get or not really? Nah, I wasn't a Barkley guy. Um, I liked Magic Johnson. That was obviously his era in, uh, overlapped with Jordan's, but mm. I was a big Magic Johnson fan, despite not particularly liking the Lakers. But I've always been a sucker for yeah, – We're homies, man. Yeah, I've always been a sucker for dudes who can pass the basketball. This is why I love Jokic so much, man. So, yeah. I mean, I had all my Nuggets guys, but I was a Magic Johnson guy. And then, you know, it was what, what was it, 91, I think it was. Uh, that was a great finals between the Lakers and the – and I was rooting more for Magic than I was, like, the Lakers. Yeah. So it's a strange – it's a strange thing. I sort of in some ways felt that way with Kobe over time too, right? Like, yeah. my heart's a Nuggets fan, but yet, you know, I always appreciated Kobe's game. But Kobe really wasn't 
like that's not my type you know yeah, yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah. I like i like guys who can pass the basketball so i really loved uh magic and you know it's too bad his career i mean i know he came back but like his his the prime of his career in a lot of ways was cut short i would have loved to see more battles between uh him and jordan how old was he in 92 because he wasn't that old he was only no, like no. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I think he still had good years left. And plus, the thing about Magic was he wasn't—he didn't rely on athleticism. He never relied yeah. on athleticism, right? He's one of those below-the-rim guys who would post you up. And, you know, I think he could have played uh, effectively for, for some time. Yeah. What has stood out to you so far through five episodes of um, The Last Dance? Like, is there anything that really interests you? Gosh, there's a lot. I mean, um, well— this is, may not be a popular take, but I wish Jerry Krause was around to give his side of the story. Not because I'm a Jerry popular Krause. in this chat. Oh, good, good. Not, not that <laughs> I'm a popular. Not, not, not that I like uh, love Jerry Krause, but there are always multiple sides to stories, right? And I feel like this documentary, and I've seen some media attention around this, has been really anti Jerry Krause. And it's like anytime a story turns that far anti someone, you, you like no parts are being left out. So I've been intrigued by that. Um, I love the Rodman episode. Like, I thought that was great. Um, you know, it, it's just, he's such an interest, like as a psychologist, I like interesting people and he's an yeah. interesting person. And I've never, I've never met Rodman. I mean, I've done a lot. I've been fortunate to meet a lot of different guys associated with the NBA, never Rodman. I'd love to meet him. And then the last thing I'd say is it's been interesting getting to learn more about Scottie Pippen. Like I didn't know, yeah. I thought I knew a decent amount about him, but I learned a lot more like about his upbringing and kind of what makes him tick. And I found that to be really interesting too. Yeah. I find him interesting. I also find this comment interesting. I see coming in here. Uh, crazy to see the professor's paper. I'm working on my favorite nuggets podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is one uh, of those, like 2020. So weird. <laughs> yeah. Things just got awkward. Yeah. Um, well, can't you give him one of the answers? Like give him one answer here. Tell him to get uh, that to work. That 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 particular person, if they are, actually are a student of mine, they will uh, they will tell you there's not a right answer. See, that's why I drive students ah. crazy because they go, "What's the right answer?" I say, "There's not one. It's, it's <laughs> whatever answer you construct." And then I I grade like how you go about constructing your answer. Oh, this you uh, you're not going to be much help on the steps. I can tell already. <laughs> <laughs> Could yeah. be anything, really. Uh, <laughs> what do you feel like helpful. it is? <laughs> Uh, oh man, I had a perfect drop for it. Let me see if I can get it. Turns out I was wrong. I gotta hand <laughs> off these duties to somebody else. Um, one of the things that's really, really interested me about this last episode, and I know you hadn't seen episode six, so I'm throwing something at you maybe that 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 you're a little ill-prepared for, but they talk about, and I actually did a really good job, I thought, of addressing and forcing Michael to speak on this, his comment, Republicans buy shoes too, and his sort of um, unwillingness to be a sort of spokesperson for any type of social issues. And, and you know, I, w I always wondered if he was really put into a corner and said, hey, answer for this, what your answer would be. Would it be like, oh, well, I didn't know or this or that? And his answer was, I didn't want to. I just didn't want to be a guy that that had to go out there. And I'm curious. Um, there's been a lot of conversation on this. And athletes, I think, nowadays, more so maybe even than that era, not the social rights era, but we're talking about the 90s, maybe even more so than then, athletes are just sort of expected to comment on everything. In your opinion, to what extent are famous people, your LeBrons, your Kobe's, your, your Michael Jordans, these types of people, to what extent are they – 
responsible in your opinion to to sort of take stands publicly mm-hmm. responsible is an interesting word like i don't think they're obligated yeah i mean and ob- obligation is an interesting word to me because like we have contractual obligations we have moral obligations and of course morality is a we can't sure. like usually we say you have good morality if you agree with me right and yeah. so um but what kind of obligation do we mean responsible though that's an interesting word I mean, no, not in a general sense. I don't think they're responsible for that unless it was in their contract. Now, <laughs> in terms of what they have to live with, that I think is the more interesting question. Yep. And that, that's where you start getting into the personalities of people involved. Like in the work that I do, I've worked with uh, pro athletes over the years. And if a pro athlete came to me and brought that question up, probably what I'd say is like, all right, imagine that you're on your deathbed. Well, that's a privilege to be on a deathbed. I mean, you can get hit by a bus or whatever, sure. right? Um, but but let's say you are, and you're reflecting back on your life, and you can see people starting to write your obituary. Like, how is it that you wish them to reflect on you and what you would have done? Like, that's the route I would go and having people reflect. Now, I don't necessarily think it's good or bad. So it's not, they don't have an obligation, but they have a right to. Sure. That's where I think it's important to distinguish. Yeah, like, right. so when people say like, well, Kaepernick shouldn't be like, like, no, no, he has the right to do that. He's a human being in society and he has a right to, but he doesn't have an obligation to. So that's sort of where I weigh in. And then it's like with each person, you know, how, what are they, how are they going to reconcile whatever their behavior was? And if Jordan is okay with it, that's fine. I don't think he has an obligation to speak up. Be, being okay with it is key. I, Beeson25 framed it pretty, I think, properly in this comment. Why can't athletes or celebrities just be who they are? Why do they have to stand for anything? Well, you can be who you are, but I also think in life, in your day-to-day interactions, you might find it harder to spend time with or admire someone who does not stand for anything. And so your athlete doesn't have to, but they also then have to be okay with the consequences, some of that being losing some social currency and just, I don't know, maybe people losing respect for you. That's that's on the table. Yeah, I mean, the, there's something to be really looked into, though, the, with what Jordan said, that Republicans buy sneakers, too, meaning that he, it wasn't worth it for him to lose the respect of people for things that he was not made famous for. Like, he's not famous because he's a great orator and he has amazing social points and he's famous for being a basketball player and people look up to them for that and that's okay like there's just like there, there's something about like setting an example in the way that you act which is funny because yeah yeah you know, in in the way that we you know sort of tore him down last time for for the gambling um that could be seen as you know maybe not a a great way to um set forth an image but i mean for him it's like really like he had this really cloistered idea of who he was he didn't really let it out it was like sort of um he had this idealized form where people just looked to him like a hero, like a God yeah, right? yeah. for him to say one thing or another, he would lose half of his audience. Sure. Right. Yeah, so, right. Um, you know, I can, I can really understand that, you know, that's not why he felt like he was, was here. He felt like he was here to be an example uh, in the way that he acted, you know? Yeah. He, he never just, he never wanted that responsibility. Like he never thought when he was growing up in North Carolina that, he was going to be on this stage and this icon and be asked about these opinions. He just kind of wanted to make a living hooping. And I feel like that's honestly the case for a lot of players today. Like 
they just kind of want to go out and hoop and mind their own business and make their money. And um, I mean, it's, it's a case by case basis, but it, in my opinion, it's kind of hard to fault them for that. I think a lot of athletes want to have the platform when it's when it's self-serving. Like, and, and what I mean by that is they don't maybe don't want to talk about politics, but they want to talk about art and culture and, and this or that where it's like, OK, well, you're not really qualified to talk about that that one either. But you do have this platform and people are just genuinely curious about everything about your life. So it does to me, it is a little bit of a double edged sword this way. And it's it's interesting to me because you remember this, Travis. Charles Barkley famously said, I'm not a role model like you should. The parents are role models. It shouldn't be me. And 30 years ago when he said that, everybody thought he was so out of line for it. Like, oh, my gosh, this guy doesn't want the responsibility. So it's funny to me that we've recontextualized this. I happen to agree. I think it's also accurate that we shouldn't expect these guys to be experts and talk about every opinion. But it's funny how in 30 years that's really flipped. Well, if you remember, though, what's interesting is I believe Nike turned that into some kind of advertising campaign. Like, I am not a role model. And so, like, the business of this is can't be escaped right yeah. like so you know um republicans buy shoes too okay but like kaepernick i know he's not an nba player but he's just the most sure. famous recent example of this okay and that dude's lost a lot of money i mean and he was a, at least an average nfl quarterback and if you're an average nfl quarterback you play for a decade because that there's such a dearth of like even average quarterbacks right he wasn't great but he wasn't awful he's average and he's lost his career because of that. But remember, Nike turned it into an advertising campaign. Yeah. And so, like, the rebel, the quote-unquote rebel, there is a way to market that. But I think one of the main reasons that athletes shy away is their own financial bottom line, right? And yeah, look, sure. the, there's a lot of this. It's not just athletes. I mean, perhaps the, the dollar figures are larger for athletes. But where, you know, companies say, well, you can't speak out on politics, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't last 10 seconds in a company like that, but um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I can understand the uh, position of that, but right. I don't see, let me just say one more thing about this. One thing I think the NBA has generally done better measuring my words here, but I really think they've done it better as I think about it than any other professional sports league is allowed their players to be people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like in the NFL, Terrell yeah. Owens, I mean, pulls a Sharpie out of his uh, sock and signs a football. I mean, the NFL sort of has Teflon on anyways in terms of ratings, at least historically. But, like, why wouldn't you want that? That's fantastic. Right. And you right. you don't really get to know NFL players anyways. And so one thing, the I mean, I saw this clip of Dennis Rodman when he played for the Spurs, like two minutes. He's just a, dropping F-bombs. He's obliterating Rod Thorne and David Stern. And, yeah, he got suspended <laughs> for a couple games. But, like, I think the NBA <laughs> understands that. Like, listen, we are basketball purists here. We love basketball. We get into the analytics and all that. But for the average person, the NBA is reality television, man. Yeah. And so, like, when we start thinking about activism and that sort of thing, if I were running a sports league, I'd embrace that. I'd embrace the controversy because the last thing you need are flat characters. You need three-dimensional <laughs> characters, right? It's like WWE or something. You know, it doesn't have to get that crazy. But you have to have... You have to have three-dimensional characters or it's not interesting. And the NBA, to me, has been really good at that. And that's why I think, generally speaking, it's been the most interesting. And so when you get more athletes that speak their mind, is it a risk to your bottom line? Yes, unless the culture that you're a part of starts to welcome more of that. And I do think, right. like, you remember when um, the commissioner said they could wear the shirts um, 
the, was it the can't breathe shirts? What? Yeah. It was a couple of years breathe, ago. Right. Yeah. And it was like, Hey, y'all can wear these for one pregame. Right. And everyone around the league or whatever did like, if you make it acceptable that people can be people, then I think there's less risk. But like, if you do this in the NFL, well, I yeah, mean, you're SOL, man. Do you think Just the NBA has China, gone too right. too far with this though? And and what I mean by that is the NBA seems very preoccupied with what players are wearing. And, and I'm talking about the fan base, not just the NBA itself, but how it's sort of evolved. Everybody seems maybe even extra interested in what players are doing and thinking and this and that, and almost maybe less interested in what they're playing like, like what they're doing on the actual court. No, I think you're right. Uh, and, and that's why the offseason, I think, is more interesting to most fans than yeah. the games on the court. Which I like the off season, but like you know, the Nuggets playing uh, the you know whoever the uh, pick um, pick random team, right? I mean, if if um, the L.A. Clippers were still really bad, I mean they used to be the butt of all the jokes in the '90s, right? I used to say I'd rather watch the Los Angeles Clippers and the Vancouver Grizzlies play than anything else because I love basketball and NBA basketball that much. But that's not that's not your average fan. So I think it's smart in terms of it, it. It's a way to try to expand the audience, but you're right. It could take away uh, from the basketball and also, and you met, you teased this early on. So we might be getting there, but I also think then there's a risk to the players. There's a fatigue to all of it. You know, there's a fatigue to like, I'll put it to you this way. Like when I, when I was a kid and I was bullied in like seventh or eighth grade, whatever it was, you know, we all got bullied at some point. Like then I'd go home and it was over. But now, like a kid goes home and they're still bullying you. Yeah. Right. And so what I'm saying is like as an NBA player, you're always connected. Like I'd love to see Michael Jordan in the era of social media. Like, I don't know. Maybe he'd still say Republicans. I mean, maybe he'd tweet Republicans buy shoes. Do you think think he would have a Twitter? Do you think Michael Jordan? I guess this is for everybody. Would Michael Jordan have it? Almost everybody does. Mm. Jokic doesn't. Kawhi Leonard doesn't. I don't think he would. I think he'd be more Kawhi than LeBron. I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure because things become so ubiquitous um, that yes, there are exceptions, but I see, okay, this is what I think. I think Jordan would have one of those Twitters that was like run by a handler. You know what I mean? (laughs) Where like, it was obvious that Jordan wasn't, but you know, someone's profile picture, right? (laughs) Right. He'd be that kind of guy. Um, You know, uh, but it's hard. It, it, that would be my guess, but it's really hard to say because it's just so different. Like everyone's always on all the time now, right? You're always yeah. connected. And in some ways that can be our greatest strength and resource, but it can also be, you know, it, it can also be not just something that gets in the way, but it, it can, I mean, like, like Kevin Durant, does that dude look like a happy dude to you? And he's got like 13 burner accounts and like whatever's going on with him. I don't know the guy. 13 might be, might be low. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, right. And it's like. That noise like, is in his head, right? At a certain point, he seems to be living oh, with yeah. this in a way that other people are able to shut out. And so like, you know, um, it, it has a lot of advantages, but it also looks like it can just cripple the psyches right. of right. players as well. Yeah. I also think there's like, I don't know, not every issue needs to be spoken on it. There's a racial dynamic here that I certainly can't speak on from any position of authority, but with the Jordan like Gantz stuff, like this is pretty black and white and we're talking of interesting choice of words, but we're talking about who's probably the most famous black American at the time, right? Out there, maybe probably bar none at that point. And so him sort of choosing not to speak on that issue, there are ripple effects throughout a community that, I'm probably not the best person to speak on, but th- this almost goes beyond your traditional, like 
should an athlete speak on this? Should a black athlete speak on this? Oh yeah, that, for that's sure. A, a very different question uh, right. that obviously I can't I can't answer. Yeah, Bomani was making this point today, and I thought it was great. Like nobody talks about you know, oh, why isn't Larry Bird speaking out about <clears throat> opioid addiction in in rural Indiana where it's a huge issue? Like nobody nobody says Larry right. Bird needs to answer for problem X that d- deals with this. So. There certainly are those those, those elements sure, for to it. sure, yeah. But I, I kind of do want to move the conversation now to fame and just you mentioned Kevin Durant. He's one of many that just seems truly miserable. I think Kyrie Irving seems pretty miserable. There's a lot of athletes. Even talking to some of the guys with the Nuggets, I think the Nuggets are out of the limelight enough that they probably want more of the spotlight, not less of it. But I do think there is this they, they, they do seem to hate the idea, and maybe it's because no human on earth can turn off their phone and just be like, that doesn't matter. Even though we all know it doesn't matter, they all just can't help but kind of look and see what's the comment section saying? What's Twitter saying about my two for 16 game tonight? I'll bet you they're roasting me. Um, is it as simple as that? Or are there other things you see in the modern athlete that is driving them to be just sort of tortured? Well, I think it starts with that, the 24-7, always on thing. I I actually met Kevin Durant in Utah, Salt Lake City, in 2007. He was a rookie. That was the team with Jeff Green. Westbrook, I don't believe, was on the team yet. Um, And, you know, I spent like 30 to 45 minutes with him during his pregame routine and all that. And I thought to myself, walking, I'm like, this is the nicest kid you ever want to meet. He had just been in the garden and scored like 50 points or something in the garden. And right away, I was like, this kid's the future of the league. And then I remember going back to the hotel and thinking, God, he's a sensitive dude. They're going to ruin him. Like in social media, didn't well, <laughs> oh, yeah. didn't really exist yet. But I just remember thinking like, and I mean this sincerely, I was like, that's a sweet human being. Like he's a sweet guy. Like I really liked him. And a lot of, you know, you meet dudes when they're rookies and yeah. they tend to be sweeter. Uh, the game makes people <laughs> more cynical. Well, not it is the true. Game, not the game of basketball, but the game, right? Yeah, like the NBA uh, makes people more cynical. But with, there was something with him, there was a sensitivity that I loved, but I had this sense like, man, this is going to break him. Now, at that point, Twitter, I don't know if Twi- I didn't have Twitter. Maybe it existed. I didn't have it. So, and it wasn't like it is now at all. I mean, the president of the United States wasn't tweeting on Twitter, right? Like, so it was just a different time. So I couldn't have foreseen that, but there was a certain, there's a, so there's a personality type is what I'm saying that I think uh is more likely to be tortured by this mm-hmm. and there are other personality types that i think you know like kobe bryant dabbled in twitter right but i think if he came up in in the zenith of twitter i mean i think he would have scrolled to find those comments that oh, you know, totally saying he's horrible and it would have made him a better basketball player you know so kobe arrived at twitter at the right moment in his personal life because he did use yeah. it very smartly like just to kind of put things out and then walk away but it was never controversial it was always from the book, from the the Church of Kobe, basically the little right. scriptures from the Church of Kobe, and then I'm out. <laughs> right, and so you know, I think personality has a lot to do with this. As it, personality's always had a lot to do with how people respond to fame. But like what fame was in, I don't know, 1995 or even 2005 is not the same as it is in 2020. It's just not. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. All right, before we get back to the show, the Breck Brew Farmhouse on the Breck Brewery campus, the compound there. It is still open. I just ordered some food from there the other day. Incredible. They got so many awesome options on the menu from salads to sandwiches and burgers to wings. The wings are absolutely to die for. You can order food from the Breck Brew Farmhouse for pickup or for delivery. 
give them a call 303-803-1380. You can also get your favorite Breck Brew beers delivered or you can pick them up as well. And also guys, I swear this was not a coincidence, but on one of the days we're talking about MSU Denver Online, we have a teacher, Dr. Travis Heath, who actually teaches at MSU Denver. You can take a ton of awesome online courses with MSU Denver Online. Maybe Travis will be your teacher for one of them. But they have courses in every subject imaginable at MSU Denver Online. And what's great about MSU Denver Online is they will work with you around your schedule. If you're a first-time freshman, if you're an existing student who wants to get a few more credits under your belt, build towards that degree. If you're a returning or retooling student or adult and just want to gain some more knowledge, take some classes or work on a second degree, MSU Denver Online is the perfect place to do that. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Check them out, MSU Denver Online. Yeah. Yeah, I happen to, I tend to agree with a lot of that. Oh, we have somebody uh, hopping in here. It's it's our buddy Cade. Cade, what's happening, okay. brother? Uh, not too much. How are you guys? What's up, Cade? We're good. You're you're a young lad. You've grown up in the uh, social media era, so you you kind of don't don't know anything else. I mean, yeah. I could ask you this, Cade, but like, when did you first get your own social media accounts? Do you remember how old you were? Yeah. Um. Let's see here. So I. The first social media I had was Instagram. I had that when I was 12, but I wasn't, I didn't really like use it too much. Um, I wasn't as active on social media until probably freshman year of high school. Okay. Okay. That's still really young. Freshman year of high school. You're just got, I'm, I'm sounding like an old man here, but like you're, you you're so, like old man. you don't think though at freshman year of high school, you're just like, I mean, no, you can have a job. You're like out on your own. Like you're talking with your friends more than you are your parents at that point. I like, think that's an, inc- I'm not saying it's too young. Like I'm sure my kids will end up having a TikTok in like three or four years or so. I have no idea. Yeah, they have Whatever right the next now. thing. We'll yeah, they that. probably do. They actually are. It's scary to watch my five-year-old navigate her phone or, or the, the iPad or something. I'm like, wow, you're really good at, you can't read, but you can like navigate YouTube <laughs> no, <laughs> really scary. well. It's incredible. Um, no, I, I, I just, uh, that, that, that is really weird. The next generation, I wonder if they're more prepared or less prepared for the social media world. Mm. Oh, good question. So, well, I mean, really spurred a lot of jumping at the same time. Who are you asking? <laughs> I was just thinking, saying that as a general statement. Uh, no. I, mean, I don't know. I'd say they're, they're more prepared because they'd have to grow up dealing with it. So it'd be more of like they've have already pre- pre-adapted to it instead of having it be something that's introduced to them and having to adjust to it later. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I do wonder if there's something again, I'm sounding like such an old man on this, but I do wonder if there's something like with I mean we we've read all the reports about people on Instagram, you only share the best parts of your life. So everybody sees everybody else's best part and you're like, "Well, why is my life not as great as everyone else's appears to be?" So, I don't know. Maybe there's some of these things built in. Wait. Adam, you know my take on this, that we are the most tortured generation. We, all the people that are at this first part of the internet where the rules in which uh, all these human beings that were allowed to sort of grow on their own, create their own cultures, create their own ideas, uh, create their own norms, were able to just be alone. And now they're 
all being forced to come together and we don't know what we all think about anything. And so all, it is our unfortunate job to go online and sort of have these battles back and forth to sort of find where the middle ground is on absolutely everything. So somebody like Cade or somebody like your daughters are coming in and they're going to be, uh, you know, benefiting from the battles that we have fought where, you know, we find out like, oh, there are certain things you cannot say. Yeah, but that presupposes that, you... that the next generation has gotten in front of it somehow. Starting from the idea that like they know, like they're already so much more conscious of what other people think in a way that we could not have been because we had no way to know what people that we never had contact with were thinking. Sure. And now yeah. you know what every human being on earth thinks about every single topic, right? And so oh, you yeah. sort of figure out like what is the right path for humanity as a whole to take but we're unfortunately the lab rats and well, us, it's we, going we, down a dark we are road. getting tortured it's getting worse and worse <laughs> we know that well you know what we can uh, dive right into the internet and all the best it has with a segment we call oh, online with Eli. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we can a hard left turn. <laughs> you know what? The internet is terrible, but let's go and see what's what's out there. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I certainly wasn't ready for that. Yeah, but, so uh, Travis, this is, a, this is a segment where uh, Eric has curated a list of yeah. the most important things that happen on the internet. It's most Absolutely. important, right? That's, that's the criteria? Uh, I think that um, these... Entries will speak for themselves. I think it's pretty okay. obvious where they rank uh, in the news of the day and just the news overall uh, for humans. So okay. welcome to Online with D-Line. So the first entry we have here, uh, let's take a look here. So That's your email. Uh, wow, there you go. History. Okay, yeah. I was hoping you'd really go to like the wrong, click on the wrong so thing. Oh my goodness, look at this guy. guy. No, I, let, can we just appreciate Incredible. <laughs> just let's look at this. I just want to watch. I've been watching this for... Um, every minute since this gift came out, and I don't know if I'll ever, if I'll ever stop. Look at this man. You know this like, was a fixture in Michael Jordan's life. Yes, it's unbelievable. Bizarre. So, if we wanted to break down like the most um, impressive <laughs> parts of this, uh, number one, I think is his hair. Yeah, for sure. Like, <laughs> he definitely looks like a uh, a judge in England. Like he's I think I watched wig. him in Tiger King the other night. <laughs> I think he looks exactly like Stephen Pinker. I know this is a weird a weird <laughs> person yeah. to throw out, but it, to me, that's who he looks like. I also just love like he is the least charismatic person on earth. And he is shit talking Michael Jordan. It's so great. And Michael Jordan has to sit there and take it. What is he He's just do? like this little dude right here just took my money in a made up gambling game. He wanted to bully him out of it so bad, but the cameras were rolling, people were watching. The way he just had to take a seat. On the I also love how much yeah, Michael can't say anything. You see him, he's just sitting there like, well, what I it's killing him. Yeah, it's Michael's killing so pissed. Him. He's like, God damn it, I'm gonna go drop fifty right so, now. Yeah, yeah. So here are the other top elements of this uh, that I don't know if you've considered is the size of this man's jacket that's, the <laughs> that's, that's just the 90s man that, that was the style, yeah. that's okay, the 90s. but him especially and so how how old do we think this guy is by the way uh in this in this photo yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 you can you can never tell uh, in the 80s how old somebody that's so true is. that's actually a really good point going 40 the further you go back everybody <laughs> just looks like your parents so that you're just like oh they're old <laughs> Very confused. All right, so I, this I guy, know, the yeah. obvious standout star of The Last Dance. For sure. I know I said this on yesterday's show, but I just think it's so hilarious that Michael Jordan had his own office inside the Bulls locker <laughs> room to gamble. Actually, Travis, you were around back in like the mellow eras. Like, were there, was there? Did anybody have like their special 
own private office or special part that they were only they were allowed to go into? Uh, no, I mean, like, <laughs> Mello, Mello had three lockers, and Iverson had three, three lockers. Three? <laughs> yeah, and then, like, like Yo- Johan Petro had, like, half a locker. Because you know? <laughs> um, other guys had to sort of, you know, give up some yeah. some real estate. But, um, no, and then, you know, I remember uh, there was, like, a – I don't know if it's – I haven't been in Pepsi Center, in the bowels of Pepsi Center for a, for a minute, but there was, like, a game room, too. Where, yeah, they um, still got those. Yeah. You could shoot pool and all that. And when yeah. when Iverson got there, it was like, you know, Chuck Bubba Chuck kind of ran the show, man. Like he determined who got to go in there, when they got to go in there. So like a bouncer, you might have yeah, like you know, and he would like yell at people to get out. You know, you yeah. had to have like enough status to get in. And so um, maybe that was like his office. You know, the little billiards room there. Is it Richard Jefferson that was telling the story about how they had to put the rule in about you can because there was the family room. And at the beginning of the year, you could only pick one spouse or girlfriend to go because they were having an issue where players had like multiple girlfriends on the list. <laughs> it made for an awkward family room. Oh yes, not necessarily a Nugget story. I think that was like a Net story or something, but it still cracked. I was like, ah, you don't think about that, but yeah, I guess. Incredible. All right, uh, all right. that gif was making me dizzy, guys. Listen. Although, if you guys if you guys weren't here, I would still be watching it. Uh, <laughs> I believe that. Actually. What else you got? Uh, let's find out. What else do I have? Uh, oh, oh, this okay. was uncomfortable. <laughs> this one was so, uncomfortable. So this, this is, is actually incredible. The Star Telegram from Saturday, March twenty sixth of two thousand five, talking about how charismatic and how enjoyable Dwayne Wade was, it, and, and still is, and still is, and still is. Um, but so if hmm. we go in and we, we see this little excerpt here. It says, when Wade's wife showed up last month at an all-star game event in Denver without her significant other, actress Gabrielle Union told her, you you tell your husband, I'm a big fan of his. <laughs> That's so, like, so crazy. <laughs> People don't know. Gabrielle, Dwayne Wade ended up divorcing his wife eventually, then marrying Gabrielle, Gabrielle Union. So this is a very weird... Somebody it found is. this in like an old archive and it's like, wow, yeah. that's a weird detail. <laughs> well, it's good to know it was all premeditated. That's good. That's really You know what I just thought about? We did not hear about Michael Jordan's wife or kids once in not this once. documentary. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. once. Yeah. Well, like, I know they're trying to cover 20 different storylines. But, but again, still. I think an athlete has the right to not. Like, you know, my kids, some, some athletes like to bring them, their yeah. kids out and like, oh, you know, right. Chris Paul does this with his. Some people are like, hey, that's I don't want my family. That's I just for thought me. they would come up in a video or come up in some soundbite like once or on yeah, camera once. I agree. I agree. I had the same thought, you know, and of course, it's a documentary. So it's edited how it's edited. Right. Yeah. And we can't think that this is the actual story of people's existence. But it led it lent some credence to this idea that I haven't. Full disclosure, I've met Michael Jordan twice, like not really met him, like sitting at a draft combine, like doing the like, mm, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> Did it. he give you like, the one up? Did he give you oh, the I nod? I got the, yeah. Well, you got I it. Was oh, the, I was in the little uh, executive uh, I can't believe so, like, I've met Michael everybody, Jordan. Everybody gets the, that's, yeah, that, I know Jordan because he gave me one of those once, but so I don't know him at all is what I'm saying, but. But my sense of him is that he's a pretty tortured person in a lot of ways. Like he's he's an incredible, incredible basketball player. Maybe the most I mean, people talk about Babe Ruth or whatever. I mean, I wasn't alive in that era, but I think that 
he might be the most famous athlete yeah. in the history of sport. And oh, so, yeah. you know, like, like, God, can you imagine being that, that big, but like some, some of those same qualities that help you reach that level, I think could really wreak some havoc on your relationships and your personal life. Now, all of us, our personal lives are complicated and challenging. Sure. And so don't get me wrong, but can you like, literally you're the most famous athlete in the world, maybe the most famous person in the world. And to get to that level, the type of like cutthroat competitiveness and almost like, like competitive pettiness that yeah, you have yeah. to have to reach that level. Can you, you imagine being married to, to that person yeah. or having that person <laughs> be so your true. father? So like we glorify <laughs> it in a sports sense, but like the dude doesn't strike me as a very happy dude. Like it's, from a basketball perspective, we watch him, you know, MF and Isaiah Thomas and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. And we watch it. We're like, oh, that's great or whatever. But like as a human being in the world, like that's not so great that he has that yeah. reaction two decades or whatever the hell it is later now. Right. Three yeah. decades almost. Yeah. He was definitely Michael Jordan was meant to be like a great warrior and like was meant to like die on the battlefield. Right. And, but, but, he's like, still but we just like, but yeah. we like, we like moved past warring uh, as a culture. So like it, now he's have, so, he's so tuned to be a basketball player. Yeah. To be a, to be a competitor. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. Like the prophecy never came about and his body's still here and he doesn't know what to do with it either. It is kind of dark, It'd but like, it is sort of how I feel about it. I mean, like he does seem like a guy we've talked about, it, but just a guy without a. a, a... Yeah, it'd be like walking around, like hanging out with the guy from the three hundred, right? Like after, after the battle's over, and he's just like, eh! you know, he can't calm down. All right, what, what back else to online got? with D line. All right, so <laughs> is that it? No, else? no, no. Oh. So uh, in okay. Let's see. Enough of this Gabriel Union one. Let's well, all right, all right. move it along. Move it can't along. Get, I can't get enough of that one. What's going on? All right. It's uncomfortable. Uh, it's uncomfortable. It right. Well, hold on. Let me. Uh... Wow. Online with D-Line. What a, what a letdown. Wow. <laughs> no, hold on. I, you know what's I, funny? I used to run this segment for several weeks. <laughs> two, two episodes ago, I handed it off to him. We had the. the oh, terrible... <laughs> Just going to berate you. Should I have some like. Oh, wait. Hold on. I got the music for it. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know what happened when I click. I usually have them in order. All right, let's talk about murder hornets, shall we? Okay, <laughs> sure. Why not murder hornets? Oh God, I don't think I've ever seen one. That is Those definitely huge. Photo. That's gotta be photos. That's gotta be oh, fake. Right. How big is that? Or it's gotta hand? be like the smallest oh. hand ever. Yeah, like, that's Kawhi Leonard's or hand. Oh hand. my God. <laughs> The guy so, from the Burger King commercials. Yeah, yeah. So, Doctor Travis Heath, I know that you uh, grew up as we've all we all grew up fearing for your life from Africanized killer bees, right? Do you <laughs> remember gonna... that? Do you remember that, Travis? Oh yeah, yeah I remember it too. Yep. Um, are we? I mean, are, are, is this a sign of the apocalypse, or is this another Africanized killer bees where it's a much ado about nothing? The murder hornets. It, um, probably much to do about nothing, but, but, um, when you see that picture, it doesn't feel that way. I, yeah. I, saw, um, yeah. I saw a video, man, and it was incredible. It was like one of these nature show videos about 90 seconds long. It was on Twitter. If I knew this was going to be a segment, I would have brought it to the party here. But, um, if I knew it was how... going to be a segment. <laughs> it showed how honeybees, I think they were honeybees, um, kill one of these so one of these murder hornets like got up in their I've seen i don't know their nest or whatever you yeah. call it and uh and it, it grabbed one of the bees and it starts suffering and then all the bees jump on top of the murder hornet and then what they said <laughs> is 
in two minutes or less, it raises the temperature of the murder hornet such that it it, it burns it alive. That's so, so insane. And I was wow. like, wow, this is like the most incredible like communal act to be able yeah, to kill this murder. So you know what, man? D-Line, I was afraid of these things until I saw that. And then I was just like, oh, like... We're good, man. Like we just can... gotta get enough like honeybees and they'll, they'll burn all these. Well, people. but here's the issue. Here's the issue is I've I've seen this clip that you're referencing. Yeah. And the problem is, is that they're Japanese honeybees. And Japanese oh. honeybees have been living alongside these murder hornets, which by the way, they don't call murder hornets in Japan. This is a uh, clearly a spin job done by uh, spin, some big, sort of branding department. Yeah. yeah calling murder hornet hornets. Here. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were talking, we always, we were joking about like, you can just affix murder in front of any animal. It sounds like the most terrifying goddamn is animal. It, of murder llamas. Bee shortage. <laughs> aren't, aren't we like missing the bee? Can't we not find the bees? Yeah, that's yeah, well, see, that's the, the problem. Like, yeah, our bees don't know how to fight these murder hornets, but the Japanese bees know how to fight murder <laughs> hornets. So we need to bring the Japanese bees. I, I've got. I was not I'll afraid of this story one bit until you showed me this picture. So, is, <laughs> is, is there anything else for online with D-Line? There's two more, but you know what? Let's. I'll save it for next time. That, this, okay. this has been online with D-Line. <laughs> A rousing success. Yeah, I'm yeah, kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. Hey, Cade. Oh, hey, God, Cade's here. <laughs> hey. um, one thing for you again, Cade, before we'll move on and get to the steps. I, got, I see I have a, somebody, a new participant for the <laughs> steps in the queue, so uh, we'll get to that here. But, Love you, um, Cade. That, well, I got, I've got a question really for everybody here. The Nuggets, man, we've been thinking a lot about the Nuggets and what maybe they're lacking or this or that. The Nuggets clearly do not have a Michael Jordan. Very few teams do. But I, what I mean by that is they don't have the player that is the – the asshole, right? They're just the killer. Right. And one of the big questions I think that naturally arises from watching this and arises from the church of Kobe Bryant, who's really spread the Mamba mentality, is do you have to be that way to be great? Or do you have to be at least a little bit that way? Like, do all the greats have a little bit of that in them to some degree? I I'm really curious what you think about this, uh, Travis. You don't have to be exactly like Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. I think there are a lot of like Mamba mentality is fine. It's not the mentality for everyone. I, I, I truly believe that there's lots of different ways to find success, not just at basketball, but in life, whatever you're doing. I do think, though, what you have to have is you have to have something that kicks you up to another gear. Right. Mm. Like like the great ones can reach another gear and people get there different ways like. I'm not saying I'm not saying Nick Van Exel was a great player, but I, he's a he's a he's a great example of how like when you made Nick Van Exel mad, he played better, right? Mm. He could reach another gear. Now he couldn't reach a superstar level gear, but he could reach like a pretty damn good player gear, right? But you, if 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 you are going to be a truly superstar level Hall of Fame level player, I think in any sport, but I know I, I don't know this to be true in basketball, but it's my my strong suspicion. That you have to be able to do that now how how does that happen like like Jokic, the most you know the best player on the nuggets can he take it to another gear he's shown early signs of that like if you look at that when he played 58 minutes or whatever the heck that was in the playoff series last year like that's kind of taking it to another gear right so you see you see pieces of that but it doesn't all have to be this mamba mentality like cutthroat i mean yeah. we have hall of fame players that we've seen that have won multiple championships that aren't necessarily that way right other great players and, and think about not just in basketball across all sports so if i see if i'm running a team the thing is is that 
you have to discover what the personalities are of your best players. And then you have to build around them. And I don't just mean a system in terms of X's and O's, but a, a motivational system, a support system mm. that helps that player reach that. Like one of my biggest pet peeves is when we say like, oh, player like Kwame Brown was a bust or pick, you know, he's one of the all timers. Right. But and my thoughts always like, what, like, was he a bust or like, did he just go into a horrible situation for him? Right. It's probably a combination, but you know, like in order, like Jordan, do you think this, we could debate this for the next, you know, three days, but like, does Jordan become Jordan? Like we know him. If Phil Jackson, isn't the coach, like, Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And he's still, obviously he's great. But what I'm saying is there's, there's yeah, there's all these different events that happen around us in our lives that, and some of them are fortuitous. Some of them are just dumb luck. Some of them are, we make our, you know, we, we, we work really hard. There's a lot of different factors, but like, we just take it for granted. Like Jordan's the best, you know, he won these six titles, never lost the finals, but is he like, what if, what if they don't draft Scotty Pippen? Now I think they'd find another Robin. But do you find another Phil Jackson that gets him to buy into that offense? Or does he win it the Doug Collins way trying to score 50 points? Like, I don't know. I go back even further, and I think a lot of times, obviously with LeBron, those LeBron teams early on weren't great, in my opinion. There were some high-profile losses. And I always wonder, like, would an earlier of success maybe propelled LeBron and gained his confidence at a moment rather than, than crashed? I mean, I think... We can all agree his confidence sort of crashed in 2010 and 11, and it was sort of at the midpoint, what we consider the midpoint of his career. If instead of crashing, if it would have surged, does he become an even greater player early on? Because in my opinion, after LeBron won a title, he just started getting better and better and better every year. And it was like the monkey was off his back and this like extreme growth could sort of happen. And I wonder about that with a lot of players. Michael had the the shot at UNC, his rookie, his freshman season. And I wonder if it was like, okay, take that away. Does, is there a confidence break there? Is there some something that happens there? And I, I don't know. I think so. I'm with you on this like sort of ripple effect. And sometimes you don't know where some of the things that have become virtuous for you might have been started at vices, but they were allowed to sort of grow because of circumstance in, in the right direction. Cade, you follow a lot of other sports, and I'm going to ask you specifically about baseball because I know what people idolize in football. It's the same stuff: the toughness, the like killer, whatever. But in baseball, are the best baseball players talked about the same way of like you have to have that Mamba mentality to be great? No, I mean, the greatest baseball player on earth right now is Mike Trout, and he not even close, honestly. Um, <laughs> he's 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 kind of like a robot. I mean, the dude just goes out there and is the best player on the field every single day. Um, but then when you look at something like like pitching, right, that's that's more of an aspect of baseball where you do value um the mental side of it. Yeah. Baseball, uh, Yogi Berra once said baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. Yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think pitching is one of the, um, one of the more uh, prominent areas where that shows up. Like Greg Maddox was one of the most mentally dominating pitchers um, yeah. ever. And he was also one of the most dominant pitchers ever. Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, these guys were very tough mentally and they demonstrated it. Um, and they showed success. So I think it might show up in more areas of baseball um, than it does. Mm. Like I think pitching, it shows up more, and hitting, no. not necessarily. No, hitting, you like almost turn your brain off. Like you're just re in reaction mode, right? Mm. And pitching, right. you like yeah. have to be deliberate. Kawhi Leonard would exactly. be a great it's, baseball. It is a different sport. <laughs> There's a misunderstanding of what this mentality is, too. It's like maybe the most important part 
is that ruthless obsession with winning as it manifests in, with your attention to detail and your routine day to day. Like Mike Trout might very well be a Kobe Bryant in his efforts to get better at baseball every day. Um, but he's not a Kobe Bryant in that he wants to murder the people he shares the field with. Right. Uh, yeah. So well, it feels like is that way is um, someone who, who we're f- very familiar with the Nolan Arenado. Yeah. That man holds his team accountable just like Mike and Kobe do. He has he has that same mentality. I mean, they they talk about Michael Jordan holding his teammates accountable in the last dance, and I'm like, man, this sounds like Nolan, uh, because he has he has that mentality and he wants to win, which is part of the reason he might want out. Um, you. <laughs> and I mean, even even back a little bit further, like Todd Helton um, had that same mentality of wanting to get better every day. Uh, they asked him like, so when do you like when did you feel comfortable with your swing? And, and he said. I've never felt comfortable with my swing for more than two weeks. So it's wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. Baseball does seem very, it seems <laughs> a lot more mental than what I would have thought, you know, a handful of years ago. Um, before I let you go, I got this. Uh, I, I really, John Presley really appreciate you being in here, but I love this question because <laughs> it's like, I think you're at the the wrong, the wrong place. <laughs> I think you made the wrong call, the wrong phone call. Well, let's figure it out. Let's yeah, figure it out. Let's let's it out. out. You know, the coming out on Thursday, what would be the first four you'd like the Broncos to start out with week five in the bye? I actually don't even know how to answer this question, so I'm not going to pretend to. <laughs> what do you want? Do you want a bad team out of the gate? Like probably? the Raiders. Raiders week one. Oh yeah, you want to? Yeah, you. Wanna I can't even wrap my head around the NBA returning, so I'm not definitely not going to wrap my head around the NFL <laughs> returning. I said, uh, "Kate, thanks so much for hopping on, man. Always enjoy t- when you when you join the show." Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Before we get back to the show and to the steps. I want to remind you guys again that MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips. And here's the key, without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life, they provide rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. Have you enjoyed our discussion with Travis Heath? Well, you can probably have discussions like that with a lot of MSU Denver Online teachers because Travis is a teacher at MSU Denver. MSU Denver Online is a great option for first-time freshmen, existing students, if you're just looking to go back and take a class or maybe build towards a second degree. They work around your schedule. They work with all different types of students, first-time college students, returning students. If you've been out of school for five years and want to go back, they work with you as well. So it's a great option for everyone. And MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members, yes, yours truly, will be taking MSU Denver online classes this summer. We'll tell you firsthand how some of these classes are. So check out MSU Denver online if you're looking to go back for maybe a second degree, work towards your degree, or or maybe something in between. And guys, I know some of you have taken advantage of this awesome offer from Manscaped. Some of you are still holding out This is the time you want to hone your manscaping skills during a quarantine. Trust me. So when this quarantine gets lifted, the bars are open again, you're ready to roll. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit is what you want from Manscaped. You can get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. And that Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with all the necessities like the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver, and of course, the Lawn Mower 3.0. It also comes with the travel bag disposable shaving mats, and a set of the comfiest anti-chafing boxers you've ever worn. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. 
All right, are you guys ready for the game that is sweeping America? Unbelievable. It's online with D-Line the game. It's not online with, but we do have Luke M. Luke M, you are on, you, but you're muted. You are self-muted, and you're also not in the frame. A legendary entrance. A legendary All right. Look at this shirt. I love this shirt. I'm fine. Look at that. Philip Lindsay. You went to my high school. Philip Lindsay did. I think you went to his high school. Well, Luke M, are you familiar with how the steps work? No. Okay, it's gonna wow, be a, yeah, is... wow. It's gonna be a tough a tough start for you. You are hopping in for the first time on our own game show here, where you have to answer Denver Nuggets trivia, and if you answer five right, you win a free sticker pack, which you All could right. gamble to win five get five more right. You win a free T-shirt. You could gamble that win five more and get a lifetime subscription to DNVR, and as a special added bonus, you get Travis Heath here, the Doctor Travis Heath. Doctor. I think our first ever doctor to participate in the steps. 100%. I assume. I, Without he's, he's a guarantee to know all 15 questions. There's no question about it. Um, we, we didn't study. We didn't study Denver Nuggets uh, in my PhD. You didn't? Program. Oh, you're screwed. Uh -huh. You're screwed. It's all self-study for me. I've got it all. I've got it all for myself. <laughs> Luke's confident. I love. They're all. They're always confident. Uh, honestly, Luke, you just have to clear question two. That's the bar for worst performance. So, that is fine. true. Question number one. It's kind of hard. <laughs> oh God. Oh, Who man. currently wears number four for the Denver Nuggets? Paul Millsap. That is correct. That was not difficult hard. for some. Well, it's difficult for Sorry, some. Phil. It's difficult for number Sorry. one. Um, who or where was Michael Malone a head coach before he became a head coach of the Denver Nuggets? The Sacramento Kings. Oh man, Oof. Luke is. Look how calm he's not even asking. And he's through. He's through two. He's through two, so he's not going to be the worst. Um, number three, where did Will Barton attend college? Memphis. Oof. Man, Luke. Luke Edwards is not messing around. He is not messing around at all. Um, number four. Wait, did you add that question number four? Did you, Harrison, did you hop in here and steal and change question number four? I don't think so. I, I it's uh... really hard. I'm skipping it. Number four, basically, <laughs> has two brothers who either play or played in the NBA. What are their names? Marshall and Miles. Wow, he got yeah. Marshall first. Yeah, yeah, played played oh, yeah, I did put in question number four. I didn't think it was that hard. All right, well, it's going to become question number five. Who did Nikola Jokic set his regular season career high one. in points against? This one courtesy of Harrison. <laughs> regular season. The Hawks. Wow! Thank I, you, Luke. Thank you. Unbelievable. Cool. Right. Right. I knew we were going to get a good uh, participant on today's show. I knew Sticky it. Hand you know all of those, 47 uh, points, if that's any bonus. My goodness. Is wow. Bad. Well, actually, now that's, I was kind of arrogant. <laughs> a little flexing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. We're going to dock a sticker pack. <laughs> I'm feeling really good about Luke's chances to go all the way. He's... Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep going. Travis, did you know the answer to all these? No, uh, the, all of them until the last one. Yeah, I wouldn't remember yeah, the Hawks. I, I, I sure as hell wouldn't remember Brooklyn. 47 points either. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> impressive stuff. All right, number six. Which player led the Nuggets in offensive rebounds per game this season? I'm going to go Mason. Oh, oh no! <laughs> the question was per game. Per game, it's of course Jokic. He gets the most rebounds. He plays the most minutes. 
Wow. Guys, this is, guys. You, these questions where it I seems loved how like, quickly Luke even, was answering them. He didn't even man. ask. Boom, Travis, boom, you boom. guys could have worked it out together and talked about, like, okay, uh, maybe this, maybe that. Yeah, I would have. By the sword, you die by the sword, you know? That one, but I, I admire his confidence. Also, damn, when you miss, you're gone quick. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, my like, God. Don't, <laughs> don't say anything Why? dumb, Travis. We'll kick you out in a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> You don't mess around here. Mm-mm. Oh, oh my no. god, the steps are hilarious. I can't believe he was so confident for five, and then immediately just out. <sighs> I still, uh, I'm rooting for Luke M in anything he does in life. Yeah, Luke M, if you want hold to start on, a small hold business, on, hold on, hit me up. Luke M, as in Chris M's child, the oh, yeah, son of Chris Morley, was it? That's right. Oh wow, he was gonna play today. Um, Dude, well, Hall of Fame DNVR members. Hall of Fame, first balloter. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for tuning in uh, and hanging with us. Um, Dr. Travis Heath, always enjoy having you Good on. Good to meet you, man. Yeah. I know the show's a little weird. It's a little different, but uh, we appreciate you you being game for it. Yeah, well, weird's my thing, man. I enjoy it. Thank you. <laughs> you, you are uh, you are first team all weird in a good way, in a good way. Uh, everybody else, thanks so much uh, for hanging with us. And then, of course, we're going to be back tomorrow. Fast break breakfast. My guy Keith Harris is joining us. Very funny guy. I'm sure he's going to have some takes about the best young cores in the NBA. Can't wait for that one. Everybody else, we'll see you next time. Before we get out of here, guys, Green Mountain Dental Group is still giving away that free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Definitely one of the coolest little perks that you can get from signing up for one of these offers with one of our DNVR partners. Sonicare is awesome. It'll change your life. No more cavities. It's a more enjoyable brushing experience. They are located just 15 minutes from downtown Denver. And again, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam at Green Mountain Dental Group, They'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. 